0: Before we get into the episode this week, I just want to say that in this episode we discuss topics like eating disorders and disorderly eating, so I want to be sure that there's a content warning in place in case you need it. If you prefer to avoid those types of conversations for yourself and your mental health, take a break this week from trying to figure it out and feel free to come back next week. I love everyone listening, but always take care of yourself first. I also want to say that I am not a doctor, I am not a therapist, I am simply speaking from my own experiences in this episode. My guest is a registered dietitian and a nutritional therapist, so she has a lot of knowledge to share, but if you are struggling, please go seek professional help, there are so many resources out there. I love you all, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Trying to Figure It Out. I'm Allie, and this week we have a very special guest, Stephanie Boone, who is a registered dietitian. I am super excited to have Stephanie here, and I want to preface this episode by just saying that while we are going to be talking about nutrition, dieting, and destigmatizing, and just bringing awareness to a lot of issues around this subject, this is not an episode for anyone to feel like we are promoting any specific dieting. Techniques, any specific ways to eat, ways not to eat. That's actually the opposite of what we're doing. And that's why intuitive eating is something I want to discuss on this episode. So I just want to preface it that way and also say that it's really interesting how I'm in my early 20s and I'm learning how to rewrite my relationship with food and figure out what my relationship with food should be without tuning in to what everyone else thinks it should be and what every person profiting off of these really famous diets, really famous meal prep companies, all of that are doing. And I think what we're doing here today is just bringing awareness to a totally different way of thinking about food. And that's why I'm so excited to have Stephanie with us today. So welcome, Stephanie.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you.
0: One thing I think about all the time in rewriting my relationship with food and just figuring out what it is is how do I actually feed myself because there's so much information out there and I have no idea what's right or wrong I mean I go to the grocery store and I have a set plan or not even a set plan I like to kind of go and see what I'm in the mood to buy for myself for that week but when I get there I'm like oh chia pudding maybe I should try that because Kylie Jenner eats it for breakfast and why like chia must be so good for you like what does it do for you and then it's like now I'm a person that like I've never even really had it honestly but I'm always looking at it and I'm like maybe I should get that because it's like associated to me with health and looking a certain way and making you feel a certain way and I just think that's so interesting I guess first question right out the bat is why do you think as a nutritionist it can be so hard to figure out nutrition and eating
1: I think it's because of all the misinformation and, you know, the the industry of dieting and wellness and food and weight loss is gargantuan. Right. And so um, I think we're, you know, I guess I'm getting into a little bit of what intuitive eating is, but we're, we are born intuitive eaters. Right. We do know how to eat. And then we get just further and further away from that and we get completely disconnected because we start to question ourselves because of all the different things that we're being told. 100%.
0: It's such a battle in our minds and that's where intuitive eating is so interesting to me because once we already develop that negative relationship with food, there's even more to unpack. Like you said, we are all intuitive eaters, but we actually lose that ability as we live in this world where this is the culture we live in and there's not much we can do to avoid it.
1: Exactly. And then if you get on the body dissatisfaction, you know, weight loss bandwagon, um, and I think things are getting better now, but certainly when I was growing up, ignoring hunger was encouraged. A hundred percent. And I think it still is. Or like I like to say, you know, eating healthy is the new losing weight now. It's often masked Mm -hmm. as health and fitness and wellness, so it's really, it's really crazy.
0: Yeah. I want to get into all of this with you, but first and foremost, I want to know how you got into this field and why.
1: Sure. Well, I'd say I got into this field because of my own, uh, disordered relationship with food, which started when I was very young. I would say I was an emotional leader. Um, and then I would have the experience that maybe a lot of people had where, you know, you go to the doctor and they, do the little dots on the growth chart, and yep. they say you're getting higher. And then parents put you on a diet. Meanwhile, at the same time, I have you know generations of uh, emotional eaters and, and bingers and dieters. And my mom had anorexia, you know, when I, when I was in my teens. So it was really handed down. Right. And then um, when I went to school though to become a dietitian, I still felt like. I didn't know that I even had food issues I just but I was frustrated as you still are with the confusion yeah out there and I wanted to you know become a dietitian because I wanted to learn what was real and what was not
0: yeah a hundred percent you've been working in nutrition for over 20 years but you didn't always work in this space what did you initially study in college and where did you first start your career
1: I started in the entertainment industry. I I got a Bachelor of Fine Arts, and I was in the film industry, but really in post-production and Mm -hmm. very unexcited and working in a cubicle, basically. Yeah. The cubicle life. Yeah. Horrible. Horrible. Horrible cubicle life.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What, at the time that you started your nutrition classes, was your relationship with food?
1: I just wanted to eat healthier. I wanted to lose weight, and I wanted to eat healthier, and I wanted to learn everything I could. Yeah, um, And like I said, learn the facts and separate the fiction from the facts. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think a lot of people can relate maybe to um, when we're just so immersed in the diet culture and wellness, um, we kind of feel like we're the problem. Yeah, and that I'm just someone who doesn't have any willpower and can't follow through and make any changes with my food. So true. Yeah, and so that was my um, my mindset when I went into nutrition. And then a dietitian came and spoke in one of my nutrition classes and kind of opened my eyes. She had us read this book called "It's Not uh, What You're Eating; It's What's Eating You," and you know the light bulb went off about like this is not fully about the food this is about using food to cope with my feelings yeah
0: it's crazy it's also this is such a side note but it's so interesting how like I have not read that book but just the title of it is like I feel like I just like was enlightened by something and I didn't even read it so I think it's interesting how like just thinking about what that actually means and then wanting to learn more about that is really fascinating You know, there's so many forms of disordered eating and I guarantee you most of the population could only tell you two eating disorders and it's anorexia and bulimia. And people don't know about reverse side eating disorders. People don't know about just disorderly eating where you don't have a certain label that you need to slap on yourself because it's not that it's not that white or black at all. There's so many different relationships to food and some of it isn't even our faults. You know, some of it is just what we're conditioned to think.
1: Oh, I'd say most of it is not our fault. Yeah. Maybe maybe none. But yeah, I mean, my criteria for what I, you know, when I say healing relationship with food, which sounds kind of like La La Land or whatever, (laughs) but you know, I, what I believe is that we were not born and put on this earth to be. Filled with guilt, anxiety, and stress, and shame yeah. around food and body and exercise. So that's what defines disordered relationship with food for me. I don't care that that overlaps all eating disorders. Um, yeah, and most eating disorders are called um, the the acronym is OSFED, and it's just other specified feeding and eating disorders. Most, like if you look at the pie chart, most people fall into that category, not right. anorexia or bulimia. Right.
0: When you're focusing on nutrition with someone, what do you do to try to rewrite the narrative?
1: We start with the judgments, the automatic judgments that people don't even realize they're saying, like, I did good today, I did bad today, that meal was so bad. Um, And I try to, you know, plant seeds that really we just, you know, and this is kind of a a little bit in a nutshell what intuitive eating is. We all know how to eat. Intuitive eating is is basically eating when you're hungry and stopping when you're full um, and eating in regular intervals throughout the day so that we don't get too, so starving that yeah. we set ourselves up to overeat and that we, we trust ourselves, which is, like, much easier said than done. Right. And that we're allowed to eat. We're allowed to choose food because we want it. Yeah. Not because it's the right or the healthiest choice.
0: Right. What are the benefits of intuitive eating?
1: Intuitive eating is the difference between, you know, kind of leading a peaceful existence and leading an existence <laughs> that consumes with anxiety and shame. Um, but, it, you know, I want to stress that it's hard to be an intuitive eater. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a real process. Um, there's a lot of research on the benefits. I mean, basically when you When you look at the research of what we call weight normative approaches, which is the traditional like try to help people lose weight versus intuitive eating approaches, all the quality of life measurements and a lot of the health measurements actually go up. Right. Because what we know now is that the stress of dieting, the damage of weight yo-yoing, weight cycling... And this, the stress of always worrying about how your body looks uh, leads to negative health outcomes.
0: Right. So would you say that intuitive eating is for everyone?
1: It's kind of like the ideal that um, if possible, I'd say. There, there's no one that um, the concept of eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're full That kind of like, usually when I say that, it like sounds right to people. Right. Like when you think about, well, babies cry when they're hungry and they know when to stop eating. Right. Um, But there, there are a lot of caveats. Not everyone has such um, access to their hunger and fullness signals. Sometimes medications and stress and anxiety can all interfere with our signals. 100%. So, um, you know, intuitive eating is a really popular it's kind of like the antithesis to dieting and it's it's kind of a treatment for eating disorders really it's, right. it's 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 very widely used
0: do people ever develop unhealthy relationships with intuitive eating the way that they do with all these diet options that are out there because it's yeah. all it, a big part of it is accountability and you know, knowing your body. And if people don't, and if they're not willing to admit certain things, like you could tell me to start eating when I'm hungry and stop when I'm full. But what if I thought I should have been full? So I stopped then and then told myself, oh, I'm full, but I wasn't actually full. And it's like, there's still, I mean, that's again, the accountability part, but I just wonder, do people actually develop negative relationships with intuitive eating as well as they're focusing on it?
1: Um, Like what you said is part of the journey when when I'm trying to teach someone intuitive eating, we, we talk a lot about, like, what are all the things that get in the way of listening to hunger and fullness? Number right. one, maybe you don't feel it. Number two, maybe you keep yourself so busy and you're used to ignoring it and you never check in. Yeah. Number three, maybe you feel it, but you choose to ignore it because you think it feels good to feel hungry. Right. So all of that ideally would be covered.
0: What do you do to help people go through that process? What are some of the steps that happen along the way to get to that point where you do know to listen to your hunger cues?
1: Well, a part that we haven't really touched on that has to come into the picture here is people have to be willing to risk not losing weight. Right. Right you know because intuitive eating really is not supposed to be connected with what your body's going to do the the philosophy there is that and this isn't just a philosophy this is science our biologically our bodies genetically want to be in a certain weight range Yeah. So like we we can't usually even get to the hunger and fullness before I get someone to agree to take that risk. And that can be years. Right. So I just wanted to preface that. But when they are ready to experiment with hunger and fullness, um, I have a hunger scale and we spend a lot of time like trying to get to know what your individual hunger signals feel like there are different levels of hunger right you know what does it feel to be like ravenous versus just a little hungry um and then you know food journaling and then you can kind of write what your hunger was at the start and what your fullness was at the stop right that's like the logistics of that but then it's like all the things that make that so hard
0: right I think what you said about the food journaling is interesting because typical food journals are documenting what you ate how many calories are in it Mm -hmm. what amount of butter did you put in what dairy products did you use and i think that's what a lot of people associate food journaling with but i think like documenting that can actually remind you in a more positive healthy way versus oh i ate 800 calories for my dinner so now i have to feel this full it's more documenting what you were actually feeling, not the numbers or the science that you think is science behind it. It's yeah, I mean, an interesting way to I do always it. I I
1: say, I don't care. Just write the names of what you ate. I don't want any measuring or any counting. I yeah. want the times of day, the hunger and fullness, and how you felt, any thoughts, any feelings. I feel guilty about having this meal. Mm-hmm. But it's information gathering because when – you know, back to what you said, like people are walking around feeling like they don't know how to eat. Absolutely. So they do, but they've lost touch. So when we do, if someone is willing enough to do a food journal, we get so much information and it's like relearning like, oh, okay, I think a salad is really healthy, but look, I was starving after two hours. And then we talk about like, well, how do you make a salad into like a complete meal that could actually fulfill you last. Yeah. Yeah.
0: If someone were to come to you and seek you out for intuitive eating help and trying to start that journey for themselves and they asked you, what snacks should I have for the moments where I'm struggling with accountability for the moments where I don't know if I need to eat, but I have anxiety. So that's telling me to eat. And i want to listen to my body in that way, but don't want to feel really bad about myself in the morning. If someone asked you what snacks they should have lying around the house, what would you answer to that question?
1: That's not really how this works. I'm not swooping in and giving you snack ideas. I want to hear what foods you like. Mm -hmm. And we have to figure out if you're hungry. Um, We have to help you if you want to eat when you're not hungry distress tolerance skills. Like how do you, you know, obviously there's something going on that's making you reach for food. So it's, you know, one question like that leads to hours of session. I'm sure.
0: (laughs) So you mentioned distress tolerance. Can you talk a little bit more about what that is and what the skills look like
1: yeah um just to give credit to distress tolerance is, is a dbt term di- dialectical behavioral therapy and it's one of the modules but um you know when we are when we are either reaching for food when we're not hungry or not eating when we are hungry there's just there's something going on right uh, we're in some kind of distress and i usually say like not in a dramatic way necessarily. Maybe you just don't like the conversation you just had with someone, right? Um, so even if it's a little bit of of distress, the work is number one being mindful mindful enough to know, oh, I want to reach for food right now. Check in, am I hungry? I mean, I'm making this sound so easy, but it's not. No. <laughs> um, and and if you're not, we like kind of make a whole a whole plan. But DBT you know focuses on distress tolerance because we just need things to get us through right without making ourselves feel worse absolutely Be- especially with the food when we're feeling bad and the only way we know how to self soothe is with food it just you know that's a, an example of making things worse yeah
0: you know it's hard for a first time listener just learning about intuitive eating like those are questions that i think people would wonder and would still expect to get that kind of help because again we're so conditioned to believe that the people that are out there to help us are still gonna somehow like backhandedly teach us the things that aren't really the healthiest so I was curious what your answer to that would be yeah because I think it's just a really interesting thing that makes intuitive eating so different than what any other dietitian or nutritionist promotes in their brand
1: Yeah. And I mean, the authors of intuitive eating were completely, you know, turned everything on its head. When someone calls me even just to ask what we might be talking about, I I always talk about the caveat, like we're probably not going to do any meal plan. So if that's what you're coming for, you know, don't want you to be surprised (laughs) because I'm going to be, you know, wanting to know like what you eat. And when, when someone, you know, I understand wanting, Guidance, Yeah. You know, even though people know deep down, maybe that that's not where the work is. People just sometimes they're like, I just need a meal plan. Yeah. And, you know, it's so basic and simple that people, you know, don't even think in these terms. But I'm like, okay, I want you to eat breakfast, lunch and dinner with protein, carbs and fat if possible in each meal every four hours. Right. That's your plan. And people are and like, what? like, what What kind of protein? <laughs> what kind of carbs? Can I eat carb? You know? Yeah.
0: It's it's so different. I mean, intuitive eating is so different. And I think it's hard for people. I think it's after all this time of misinformation, it's asking a lot of people to change a narrative that you can't escape. Because it's like you could go to a session with you and then leave and then see something on a billboard or then see something on your Instagram. I think just people learning what it is and just being mindful about it is a really big step. So I think for anyone listening who wants to try intuitive eating first, do some research on it and just get more familiar with it. There's so many podcasts out there. There's so many people like Stephanie who you can reach out to and you can also reach out to Stephanie and just try to learn more. And if you're struggling with an eating disorder or just your mental health and it's affecting your eating, then there's so many resources out there for you that are so much better than what you're seeing on a daily basis.
1: Absolutely. So we've
0: talked a lot about social media. And speaking of that, how would you say that social media has affected clients' mindsets when they come to you on their perceptions of eating and their relationships with eating?
1: I mean, its I'd call it such an interfering factor I mean I what I do is an uphill battle anyway. Yeah. From from so many different angles and then social media. Social media can undo a session, a month's worth of sessions. Yeah, one TikTok video. Mm-hmm.
0: It's like one step forward, 10, ten steps back steps with back. social media.
1: Absolutely. 100%. I mean it's a, it's a frustrating situation.
0: I'm sure. <laughs> so what do you do to stop it from being so many steps back. What, what's the solution in a session if someone does say that? And I mean, I'm sure you do a lot of resourcing with people to get them to a point where then you can bring them back to the place that you're at and the progress you've made. But if you're not there yet, what are the tools you use to rewrite that?
1: I mean, obviously the best thing would be if I could get them not to be on social media. I'm laughing as I say that.
0: Because or just maybe like you have to go in and cater your free page, cater your what you want to see. And, you know, maybe you have to make that specific to you and take out the possibility of those things coming up for you.
1: Right. Right. But since it's everywhere, then I I, I really need to hear like if someone says they saw a post that triggered them, I need to hear everything about it. Mm-hmm. And then I have to dig into my my knowledge yeah. <laughs> and whip out all my different tricks. I have to know the nutrition part of it i have to maybe remind them of things that we've talked about i have to remind them that the diet industry is a multi-billion dollar industry and doesn't have your well-being in mind i mean it's endless that you can't compare that you have no idea what what this person ate that day yeah um but you know you just have to keep keep doing it over and over again it never ends
0: I'd really like to know for you I'm not sure how active you are on social media how much you go on TikTok yourself or what shows you watch or anything like that but how for you as someone who has struggled and will always struggle how do you help yourself while also helping all these people how do you keep that separate from your personal journey?
1: I mean, I, you know, when, when you do this for a living, luckily you have a lot of other professionals and sometimes, you know, we, it's easy for us to forget that most people have not even one other person. Yeah. But for me, I have my, my friends and colleagues, um, but I have to stay away. I mean, I play, you know, Candy Crush and, you know, the yoga for 90 day weight loss comes on and, um, I, you know, I report the ads Yeah. And I'm not immune, hundred percent. But I do like to give people hope that, like, I am much better. Yeah, than like, I was when not I was in my as th-
0: easily triggered. Not not as, nearly as easily yeah. triggered.
1: So it, it can get a lot better for sure.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. For someone who's listening to this episode or watching this episode and wants to get into intuitive eating or know more about it, what would you say the first steps would be?
1: There is um, the website of Intuitive Eating. There's the book, um, the fourth edition, Intuitive Eating. There's an Intuitive Eating workbook, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I'd say like that the person who just wants to look at it on their own needs to be a person who doesn't have like severe eating disorder and trauma yeah, or e- either of those. Yeah. But for someone who just chronically diets and doesn't like the level of obsession, I think they could take it upon themselves to to read the book. But I usually like you have to be ready to read the book. Yeah. I mean,
0: all of this is I say this about therapy. I say this about any sort of thing that you're doing for self-help. The only way you're going to get something out of it is based on how much you put into it and what you're willing to put into it. And sometimes we need the help and sometimes we want to put stuff into it, but we're really guarded and we're really traumatized or we're still really struggling, but you have to know what you want out of it a lot before you just dive right in. Because it can be, again, it can turn into misinformation if you aren't in the right mindset.
1: Yeah, there's not many people who just come in off the street and can read intuitive eating. You you really kind of need... Uh, some guidance for sure. So
0: So we've talked a lot about intuitive eating. We've talked a lot about disordered eating and I'm so grateful to Stephanie for being so open and sharing her story. And I know that this has been some topics that are not easy for people to soak in. So now we're going to have a little more fun and just really debunk some myths for you guys. We're going to put our myth busting hats on and we're going to do a little rapid fire with Stephanie asking her what she thinks and what her opinion is on certain diets that we're really familiar with that do or don't work. Okay. So number one, juice cleansing.
1: I'm going to roll my eyes with every (laughs) single one. Juice cleansing is, is a go-to when people feel like they want to reset in quotation marks. Um, But it's really just starving yourself Yeah, and then they backfire because we're too hungry yeah the scale and weighing yourself my my dream would be if scales were outlawed um there's not usually a good reason to have one in your house yeah and it's one of the behaviors that i target for sure
0: organic foods
1: there's nothing wrong with organic (laughs) foods you're not um, a superior human being. Yeah. If you, eat. I, I have a, a magnet on my fridge and it says just because you eat gluten-free and organic doesn't mean you have to tell everyone.
0: No, my grandma <laughs> literally like raves about the oranges she has in the kitchen and it's like, she's like, they're organic. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, tell me what that means. Let's sit down and you tell me what that means to you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No pesticides. That's good. Yeah. That's
0: good. <laughs> okay. Carbs just carbs in general
1: every cell in our body needs carbs we could not our brain needs carbs if we don't eat carbs we break down our muscle tissue for sure intermittent fasting
0: <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i'm triggering you right no. now
1: <laughs> it's just i get so you're not in a bad way um intermittent fasting fasting has been a very, like, interfering factor, too, in people's healing. You know, they kind of restrict, and then they just say, oh, I'm just doing intermittent fasting. Right. But it's, it's not that there's no research at all on intermittent fasting. It's more like it's in a vacuum. Like, it doesn't, it, it's not sustainable. Right. What if you're hungry? Literally. If you're hungry, you need to eat. Like, I can't, you know, stress that enough. So that is, in a nutshell, why intermittent fasting. Yeah. Thank you for that.
0: Veganism.
1: I'm open to veganism. You know, it used to be very negatively judged in the eating disorder community. Like, oh, if someone is a vegan, they're they're really just finding new ways to restrict. Right. Um, but now we know a lot more about plant-based and how wonderful it is and, we, and the environment and stuff. And so we try to make it work with veganism. But if someone is in, if someone doesn't feel strongly about it and it's just this like whimsical thing that they think they'll try. Yeah. No, it is very hard. Yeah. In L.A. we live in a bubble, so it's kind of easy to be vegan. But Yeah.
0: It's really easy to be vegan in L.A.
1: Yes. Minus
0: It is expensive, though. It is very, very expensive Mm -hmm. to be a vegan, no matter where you are. Absolutely.
1: You can't really shop at Vaughn's. No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
0: Junk food.
1: Well, that's very judgmental, as you can imagine. I have,
0: like, air quotes (laughs) around it.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah. We we have a big problem with using the word junk food. Yeah. Um, It's self-explanatory. It's, I like to say fun food. Yeah. It's food. I don't believe in the whole, like, it's not even food. Yeah. And I think that's very, like, elitist as well.
0: I very much agree with that. Okay. Body positivity versus body neutrality.
1: Mm. Hmm. That's such a big topic. Body neutrality is more accessible to most people than body positivity. Yeah. In my experience, people can maybe work on acceptance, meaning, okay, I don't love my body, but... It is what it is. Right. I mean, I use it. weight neutrality, I think, is is kind of another word for what I try to work on people with radical acceptance. Mm-hmm. It's like, it doesn't mean you have to love it, but it also doesn't mean that you get to be mean right. to yourself and judgy. So you're just like, try to be neutral about it. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of pressure for body positivity, though, yeah. especially on social media.
0: A hundred percent. Okay, last one: staying healthy and healthy living.
1: I think defining healthy is not a very simple thing. Yeah. I think the pre- like I said, the pressure to be healthy is just as debilitating as the pressure to be thin. Yep. Um, so if someone comes to me and says, "I just want to eat healthier," I need to get completely into it. Like, what do you mean by that? What are your beliefs? of what what eating healthy means and dispel a lot of I mean you didn't list any specific foods but like there's just some foods are just have this reputation of being really healthy and like you said no one even knows why yeah are there
0: any other myths that people come to you with you really need to debunk for them well
1: i mean gluten and dairy are huge and it's not so simple to say it's one big myth uh there's there's a lot of nuances absolutely um but carbs uh, carbs are just by far so demonized and it's so wrong it's so like we wouldn't be human if we didn't need carbs and we need at least half of our calories coming from carbs Daily, so there's no keto situation (laughs) for humans, (laughs) right? So crazy.
0: At the end of every episode, I do something called Alpies Three, where I have my guest or me or together we come up with three songs that fit the theme of this week's episode. So this week we're gonna do three songs that make you feel good, and those are gonna come from Stephanie.
1: So okay, let's do it. I mean, this one's so obvious, but <laughs> I'm still, it's true for me. Lady Gaga, Born This Way. Love it. I mean. I
0: love that. Come on. <laughs> it's like a 10 out of 10 song.
1: Yeah. I don't feel like it necessarily relates directly, but I just have to say you too, Pride, cool. in the name of love. Yeah. Kind of the social justice aspect of all of this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I love that. And then um, I'll just be whimsical here. I'm an 80s person, but
0: I'm an 80s person too. Well, weirdly
1: that we have to talk. Then. Yeah. Um I'd <laughs> say tears for fear shout. Ooh. I think that that's like relates to distress tolerance. Yeah,
0: that's interesting. I never yeah. thought about that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, I think that's about scream therapy. I don't know. Right. But
0: I'm here for that. Yeah. OK, well, they're all going to be added to the playlist this week. Now we're going to wrap up. I just want to say thank you to Stephanie so much for all of your openness, your honesty, and just sharing so much about your personal journey, but also sharing with my listeners so much really important information on intuitive eating. I am so grateful for you guys for listening, and I know that this has been a lot to take in, so Take this as you want. Take what you learn from this episode in small doses or big doses, whatever you can handle, whatever you want to take away from it, take away. This is The point of this episode is to do exactly the opposite of what every other dieting specialist is really trying to do. We're not trying to tell you one right thing, one wrong thing. Even if you are going to go do a juice cleanse tomorrow, go do the juice cleanse tomorrow. There's no shame here. There's no judgment here. It's a free space and that's really what I'm learning is the beauty of intuitive eating. So thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you again, Stephanie. Beautifully said, Allie. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll see you guys next week on Trying to Figure It Out.